T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. Well, the weekend came very quickly because we had a shortened week. At least most people had a shortened week because of the holiday on Monday. So we're already into the first weekend of the year. Doesn't look too bad, Sue, for the weather. Today was pretty nice yeah, after bad. past the morning. The sun came out. I think tomorrow is just a little bit warmer with sunshine. So that's not too bad. And if you listen to what Dave Murray said a couple of nights ago, he he thinks the month of January, and I, I always check the future, you know, on, on the weather apps, uh, look at the temperatures, and we, we don't really have any temperatures where the highs will be in the 30s, even. It's mainly 40s and 50s until about the 20th or the 21st, but Dave did say, watch out for February, right? Yeah, he <laughs> did. That did not make me happy. No, uh, not at all. We have Vance Crow, who's been on the show before, and I've been on his podcast. He's the president of Articulate Ventures. He's um, really an interesting guy, and he was telling me something this week about artificial intelligence and this program that basically can write a, let's say you're in college and you want to write a paper on Shakespeare or whatever. You can have the AI do this for you. And what? They're, oh, well, but when you look at the differences between what maybe the average college student might write and what the computer might write, you'll find the computer does a much better job. But it's, it's really interesting. And I wow. invited him to talk about that. Right now, I'm going to welcome in the next speaker of the United States House of Representatives. Tim Summer is with us this afternoon. It took him 15 ballots, but your name was put into nomination, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, I heard it this yeah, afternoon. You know, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world. <laughs> well, you don't it? have to be a member of the body, so that's, you know, it's not impossible. Uh, I'm, I just, uh, you know, we are all somewhat in awe of what we've seen happen in the last few days. Uh, I'm glad that we have the sanity or insanity of rock and roll to retreat into, that we yes. can get into our cars, that we can turn up Blue Oyster Cult and just forget about all of this nonsense. Great answer and segue, Tim Summer. So this guy, let's start with this, because I don't even know if I remember this. Sue says that she's seen the video in the song. This guy, uh, Adriano Celentano, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, turns 85 today. This is uh, this weird song from 1972, which is basically just nonsensical lyrics, which were intended to sound like an English in an American a- accent. Here, listen. Yeah, I was unaware of this, or if I was, I had forgotten. Tim, this is a wonderful, wonderful song. <laughs> the title of the song, and I'm going to try to get this right. I can't do it. That's pretty good. And that was good, yeah. The amazing thing about this song, it's like finding... 
it's like if you were to dig and go on an archaeological dig and you'd find an iPhone made in uh, 2000 BC. Here's a man who recorded what is essentially a pure and perfect rap song. It, it is. It's like a rap yeah, song, right? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> in the early 1970s. It's amazing. The video is immensely entertaining yes. as well. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. 85 years old today, and he's still around. Well, I want to talk um, just music in general in a second, but this came out during the holidays, and I noticed in Rolling Stone that there's a lawsuit now against Steven Tyler, who who knows, yeah. he might be ready to die, too, because they canceled the residency in Vegas, and he was sick. I hadn't heard I anything about like that. I did notice that, yes. But this is, this is a complicated story, because this goes back to the 1970s, and the plaintiff here, Julia Holcomb, alleges that Tyler convinced Holcomb's mother to grant him guardianship over her when she was just 16 years old, which consequently allowed her to live with him and engage in a sexual relationship. So she says they were together from 73 until about three years later. The suit doesn't name Steven Tyler. It names defendants as Doe 1 and Doe 2. But Holcomb, who I guess Rolling Stone mentioned in a 1976 profile of the band in reference to Tyler's romantic life, has been public about her experience with Tyler in the past. And then the lawsuit directly quotes from Tyler's memoir. In his book, he says that he, quote, almost took a teen bride and that, quote, her parents fell in love with me, signed a paper over for me to have custody so I wouldn't get arrested if I took her out of the state and I took her on tour with me. And now he's being sued for that. Yeah, first of all, I appreciate very much, Mark, your discretion in not reading some of the more, uh, shall we say, lascivious and uh, disgusting comments Stephen Tyler said in that book about Julia Holcomb and, and his relationship with her. Because it appears, first of all, there's so many different angles to this. I don't think there's any excuse for Mr. Tyler's behavior, especially since the way he has talked about Julia Holcomb, both back then and since, indicates he was with her for all the wrong reasons. He was with her because she had the appearance of a little prepubescent girl. He admits that's one of the things that was very appealing. So he says that in the book? He says that in the book, um, Tim? Yes, or he said said that in other... I tell you the truth... It's a quote I read, and I'm not going to read the quote because it's not. Okay, all right. I don't think it's fit for now, the Now, I was radio. unaware of that. Um, there is, what's interesting is, is that many of the rock stars at the time, famously Jimmy Page, Don Henley also famously, had public relationships with women or girls who were under 18. It was a very common thing. Uh, back then, which is not to say that it is anything that should be condoned of. I think what's interesting is that she's one of the few people who appears to be public with uh, her issues with it, which is not to say that other people like Sable Starr or Jimmy Page's famous 14-year-old girlfriend, whose name I'm escaping, Sable Starr, was someone who was involved with both uh, Steven Tyler and David Johansson when she was underage. Um, there's Steven Tyler's name again. Um, none of these people, uh, Pamela, De- Pamela Day Barr, she's probably oh, yeah. the most famous, right. world famous. None of those people necessarily speak about their experiences with regret, which is their own business. Again, I'm not making any comment on that. I will say this. As you probably know, Julia Holcomb has a very public profile as a very aggressive anti-abortion activist. Um, and this is not to say anything negative about uh, the, the, the right wing at all 
or the far right, but she's very, very involved with far right causes and anti-abortion causes. And I'm thinking, and again, this is not in any way, shape or form to condone Steven Tyler's behavior or condone anyone's uh, interaction with underage men or women, boys or girls, in the 1970s when perhaps it was looked at in a different way. I'm not condoning that. I'm just to say, I'm just saying that Julia Holcomb is making use of this to, I think, drive some attention to her website, to her speaking engagements, to her books, to her causes. Again, that's her business. And let her use her negative experiences in a positive way good for her. Well, and we should mention also because part of the allegation here is that she was pregnant with Steven Tyler's son in 1975 and she was 17 years old, but Steven Tyler insisted that she get an abortion after a fire in an apartment. And he said that there was smoke inhalation, lack of oxygen to the baby. Um, Medical professionals said, no, there's no harm to the fire, but she had an abortion. And that's part of this lawsuit also. Again, you know, I'm glad that she's able to use her experiences to, to help people understand that in the 1970s, well-known adults took advantage of underage people. I have to say the same thing that I've said when I've read these stories before. And again, I'm not parent-blaming, but I do wonder at times where were the parents. Yeah. Well, you, you have to ask that. But then again, the kids aren't certainly old enough to make some of these decisions on their I own. Think, I can't believe it was so. I guess I didn't know that about Henley and, and David Johansson and some of the others. You know, I was a little younger Henley in the was 70s. wasn't paying attention to that. In a very nasty situation, a legal situation with an underage girl. Um, it was cleared up out of courts. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm getting anyone in any trouble to say that. Uh, again, that Julia Holcomb has chosen to go very public with this, uh, I think, in fact, you know what? I think it's a very good thing that we see that, you know, the standards of the past, just because they were the standards of the past, just because in 1972 it was okay for a 25-year-old rock star and I'm speaking specifically of Jimmy Page, because Julia Holcomb's relationship with Steven Tyler was in 1976. But same that's, ages, though. I mean, he was 25 when she was 16. That's right. Yep. Just because people thought that was sort of newsworthy or made him a cool rock star in 1975 or 76, I don't think, I think it's important that people say that just because something was acceptable in 1976 does not mean it was good behavior. Lynching was once acceptable. Slavery was once acceptable. We move forward socially, uh, ethically. Um, We move forward as Americans, as human beings. And what was once acceptable is no longer acceptable. And in that sense, regardless of whatever acts Julia Holcomb has to grind, whatever she is to promote in her own agenda, I'm glad that she's bringing this stuff to the forefront so we can see that we have evolved. Hey, it was illegal the entire time. Whether or not uh, we say that people think, oh, it's cool or uncool, it was illegal. It it was illegal. And he had to have, you know, the parents signed away this child so he could take her across state lines. Yeah, it's hideous. It's hideous. Well, one thing I was unaware of when I talked about this last week, the reason, because I had some questions about the statute 
statute of limitations. But one of the reasons that the suit was filed at the end of last year is because there was a piece of legislation from 2019 called the Child's Victims Act, and it lifted the statute of limitations and granted a three-year look-back period for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to come forward. So that's that's why this happened. And the deadline was last week, so one of the reasons that it was filed last week. Let's talk about more positive things, just about music in general. Sue mentioned Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was going to be 50 years old this um, this year. I mentioned, of course, yesterday was the 50th anniversary of Greetings from Asbury Park from the East Street Band. But, Tim, you sent me a note. There's a bunch of really big records from 1973 about to have a 50th anniversary, yeah. right? Can I say that because I l- listened to your show today, and I love listening to your show because I listened to your show today, I now know something I never knew before, which is that Greetings from Asbury Park was released the day before Schoolhouse Rocks. <laughs> that's pretty interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll tell you something else. When we look back at 50 years, when we look back at that, first of all, think how so very many of these artists uh, who released important records 50 years ago, for whether it be Dark Side of the Moon, which was released 50 years ago, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, Iggy and the Stooges, David Bowie, all of these important, important records to us. They are still in our lives. And I'll tell you something terribly interesting. Think about if we, if, if Mark, if we were on the air, you and I, in 1973, and we were talking about what happened 50 years earlier. Think about that. We would be talking about things that happened in 1923. And I'll tell you something very interesting. Uh, I listened with great interest. To your, to your conversation with Frank Cusinamo. And first of all, it, he shames me because he seems to know so much about what he's talking about. And then I come on and I just blather, blather, blather. <laughs> but Frank mentioned in talking so wonderfully, I guess, it, I'm, please, uh, I apologize. I don't know if he was talking about his mother. He was talking about his mother. Yeah. His mother passed away this week, right, at the age of 95. He was talking so wonderfully about his mother, and he mentioned that his mother played with Paul Whiteman. Yes, I mentioned that was in the, 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 and I'm not even familiar with really who that is, but that was something that happened at the Keel Opera House. One of the most famous musicians of the entire 1920s. He is credited almost single-handedly at the person who brought African-American jazz into the public sphere, into the public spectrum. He was a giant. The song, and you may not know this, is a fascinating fact about Paul Whiteman, the song Rhapsody in Blue yes. was written for Paul Whiteman and his orchestra, and he gave the first performance of wow. it. Wow. Now, here you have Paul Whiteman, and one of literally, he was as big in his time, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here, he was as big in his time as, as Springsteen, as U2, as Madonna, as any artist you can name. And yet here we are, a hundred years later, and he's almost completely forgotten. Now, on the other hand, we look at these artists from 50 years ago, and they are still so very, very, very much with us. And that's wonderful. And, you know, the I, question, and by the way, that's the song that Frank's mom was able to play at the age of 13 years old was Rhapsody yeah. in Blue with the yeah. Paul Whiteman Orchestra. So that sort of brings you to the question, and I'm looking at this list that you sent me of all yeah. the records that were John Cale, uh, Paris 1919, Band on the Rung from Wings, Quadrophenia. There was another one that caught my attention here that I thought was pretty cool as well. But one of the questions, oh, House of the Holy, because I was a big Zeppelin guy in, in the that's 70s, right. and that was um, amazing. But... So, Tim, we talk about, and this is hard to do, but 
those of us who are older always have this conversation. Who is everyone going to be seeing? Like when, when I'm, um, you know, older or when my kids are my age, maybe that's the best way to do it. So when my kids are in their 20s right now, when I get the little one too, but when they're in their 50s, what bands from this era will still hold that interest and be able to sell out arenas? Thoughts on that? That's a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to be very, very frank with you. I don't have an answer for yeah, that. Yeah, it's tough, I isn't it? I suspect, interestingly enough, that they may come from the country spectrum, that they may be country artists. I also think that your children and your children's children will have the advantage of something you and I did not have the advantage of, which is streaming services, which is that you can get everything from every style. Meaning, they may discover things that are completely obscure now and be celebrating them 25 years from now, celebrating them 50 years from now. Who's to say that Nick Cave, and I mentioned Nick Cave specifically uh, because, his, because I've been, uh, my wife and I have been watching the Peaky Blinders show and Nick Cave's music is all over that. Who's to say that Nick Cave in 50 years won't be listened to by millions of people? Look at the revival that, due to television, I mean, due to uh, a presence on a, on a streaming show and due to Spotify, look at the revival that Kate Bush has had. Oh, yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? It really is. 30, 35 years after she initially released that music. Now, that's why I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, all bets are off in terms of who will be filling arenas 50 years from now, 25 years from now. That's a very good question. But, you know, the, the other part of that, the reason, one of the reasons I asked, too, is because when you think about all those albums, and I, I've said this, I think we all kind of joke, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, right? But I can go back and I can, you know, listen yeah. to those songs from Houses of the Holy Sing or Band right of the Wrong, and you know all, like, you know all the songs yeah. because you used to listen to the albums, like the entire albums, and now we don't do that. You know, we put on our mixes, we hear a couple of songs from a band, and even, you know, most, I guess, Kids are still into some bands and they know their entire catalog, but it does seem because albums have kind of gone by the wayside where you listen to the entire thing, that that would affect just even the knowledge of, <clears throat> of someone's correct. catalog, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely correct. I think whereas you and I can probably, you can probably name every track off of Greetings from Asbury Park. Uh, I, can act, I can name every track off of, uh, I'm speaking specifically of albums that released 50 years ago. I can, speak, I can name every track off of uh, Tyranny and Mutation by Blue Oyster Cult. I can name every track off of uh, Raw Power by The Stooges. I don't think that your children and your grandchildren are going to have the same relationship. Um, but who's, who's to say? Who's to say? Uh, you know, the one thing that is a constant is that the music will always be I, I love to use I love to say that music is the world's best mnemon, I'm going to mispronounce this word and I apologize for that mnemonic mnemonic thank you I think that's the way you pronounce it meaning you will always remember what song it was playing when you had your first kiss you will always remember the song that was playing when you opened that letter where you read that you got into that college you really wanted to get into. You will always remember that song that was playing when you walked into that great bar in your college town for the first time. Music is the way we remember things. That's one of the purest and best things that music does. It allows us to say, this song was playing when this happened to me. That will never go away. However, 
people's relationship with albums, unless something radically changes in the future, yeah. the relationship that you and I had with albums, I'm not talking about music, I'm not talking about songs, the relationship you and I had with albums, when we were younger, we will not, we is not going to last in Yeah, the unfortunately. Tim First. Summer, uh, you pronounced the name of this so well. The name of the song will go out with this is Adriano Celentano. He turns 85 years old today. The name of the song, Tim Summer? Prison Cola Essenencuso. No one's here to challenge you. Happy New Year, Tim. We'll talk soon. Thank you. What a pleasure. All right, Thank we'll you. see you. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.